Hi there, it's producer Rob here. Now, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you've been listening for ages. Well, either way, if you're finding this podcast useful, then you might also like to subscribe to Which Money. You'll get our monthly magazine packed with tips on how to make the most of your cash, from growing your savings and investments to avoiding rip-offs and scams. You'll also be able to call our experts on the Which Money helpline as often as you like to get answers to your money queries. Just visit which.co.uk forward slash join money. That's which.co.uk forward slash join money and sign up today. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. The cost of insurance we see today isn't necessarily reflective of the economy today. It's much more of a reactive response to the trends and expenses over time. This has been something that I understand has been kind of on the rise, probably longer than we've been seeing this particular price rise. Now, with the news that car insurance premiums have hit a record 20-year high, today we'll be asking why fees are going up so much and what we can do to cut costs. And to help us get to the bottom of all of it, I'm very, very pleased to welcome which insurance expert, Dean Sobers, and motor insurance expert from Confuse.com, Louise Thomas. Hello, both. Hiya. Hi, Lucia. So good to have you both on the show. Well, first, can we hear from you, Dean, on these figures that I'm talking about? Can we get into the figures fueling our discussion today? They've had everyone talking. It's been all over the media. And it's that insurance costs are hitting a 20-year high with prices up 21% in the last year. Dean, what on earth is behind this rise? So, yeah, it feels quite immense. There have been quite a few sort of different elements which have sort of played into it. I guess one of the first things is that we've been seeing a rising in premiums over the past few years. And part of that is to do with the fact that a couple of years ago, premiums were actually at a record low, largely because there were a lot less people driving around on the roads because of lockdowns and and changing their work patterns and things like that due to the pandemic. So subsequently, we're always going to see some kind of a rise following that as, as kind of life returned to normal. However, this has been kind of compounded by sort of huge costs that insurers have been taking on because of what it costs to them to actually settle individual claims. So the Association of British Insurers, which has been publishing this 21% statistic, sort of explains that costs such as vehicle repair costs, apparently up 33% since the beginning of 2022. Also things like labour costs, energy inflation, prices of second-hand cars, these have all been going up and they've consequently been inflating the costs of claims, which the insurers are now kind of passing on, at least in part, to their customers. And those vehicle repair costs, that seems really high to me. Did they give any reason why it's so high? I mean, this has been something that I understand has been kind of on the rise probably longer than we've been seeing this particular price rise. So some of it's driven by the fact that cars are becoming more complicated to repair. So it can be kind of more difficult to actually obtain the specific parts that you need to get a car back on the road if it's got kind of intricate sort of computerized systems that kind of need specialist work to repair. So I think that's one of the factors. But in terms of what's kind of lurched up more recently, I'm, I'm not actually sure. 
definitely an interesting one, isn't it? And if we do find out, and when we do find out, we'll have to revisit this for sure. And is there anything else, Stephen, that you wanted to add around why prices are going up, you know, generally speaking? The only other thing that I'm aware of that's probably worth mentioning, although I think we're actually going to be discussing this a little bit later, is that there were major reforms in how insurers could set prices for customers that came in at the beginning of last year. And these are namely the reforms that banned the so-called loyalty penalty, where insurers would basically set discounted prices for new customers, which would be paid for, in effect, by existing customers. So existing customers would typically pay more. To make pricing basically fairer, insurers are now no longer able to differentiate on what they will charge you based on whether you're an existing or or a new customer. So what we kind of saw as a sort of an immediate byproduct of that coming into effect was that prices went up for new customers because they were no longer getting those discounts. But in terms of the longer term effect that that is having on, on prices, I think that's still to be kind of comprehensively reviewed. Oh, it's kind of a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because I remember when this loyalty penalty, when the reforms came in, you know, we were all really happy. It felt like a, a really massive win, but then it does seem like it could be pushing prices up generally across the board. It's difficult to judge because I guess what they were brought in to do was to make pricing basically fairer. They weren't necessarily going to make pricing cheaper, but it's always really difficult to kind of predict what effects they will have on, you know, on pricing in, in insurance, which is so complex. And also these reforms were kind of devised prior to other elements like the pandemic and so on, which had massive effects on the market as well. So, yeah, we're still to kind of see exactly what effect they've had on pricing overall. So if we go back to the figures then, we know car insurance is up 21% to last year. What does this mean if you're about to renew your contract? How much could you be paying? So the 21% figure comes from the Association of British Insurers or the ABI, which is the insurance trade body. And that is based on their most recently published average premium figure, which is £511. And that's up about £90 on what they reported drivers were paying at the same time last year. Basically, your average driver, in inverted commas, has seen you know a rough kind of 90 pound increase and is paying can expect to see that premium was 511 pounds of course in sort of real life this is an average of millions of prices and at the individual level car insurance is, is priced at a highly kind of individualized way and it varies between different people depending on things like where you live how old you are what kind of car you drive your claims history all of these sorts of things so different people are going to get quite drastically different results. So we've heard from some of our readers who have told us that their insurers have been upping their premiums by as much as £300 with little explanation. You know, others have been saying they've seen their premiums go up by 40% or so. I guess one thing that's kind of important to say is that some have noted that they've been able to improve on the initial offer that their insurers made by just contacting the insurer discussing the premium increase, they've been able to get a discount off it. So that indicates that that's still something that's still well worth doing. Well, we'll be getting on to many ways that you can cut your car insurance where you can later in the show. But if you look further into the detail first, one thing that really stands out is around claims for theft and personal injury, with the cost to insurers of vehicle repairs rocketing by a third over the year. Louise, do we have any idea why there's been such an increase in the last 12 months? Well, yes, we do. 
As Dean mentioned earlier, in our post-pandemic lifestyle, more cars are back on the road. So there are just more claims being made, which is a huge expense for insurers. And the overall cost of claims has gone up because of inflation. And you might hear people wondering, inflation slowing down. We've seen some recent decreases. Why are my premiums still high? And partly it's because repairs and maintenance cost is still high. But it's really important that we know that the cost of insurance we see today isn't necessarily reflective of the economy today. It's much more of a reactive response to the trends and expenses over time, which means we see insurers looking back and adapting their pricing. And as all drivers and consumers know, trends show everything is on the increase. Prices for vehicle parts, labor, energy bills, wages, it's all contributing. So when you're making a claim now, your insurer is footing that much larger bill than it was a year ago or several years ago. It is especially true for newer cars, cars in high demand. We see more electric vehicles on the road. Dean mentioned we see more cars with high-end gadgets included as standard. So paying out for a new car that's been written off or it's been stolen is costing insurers more. And even with second-hand cars holding their value more than ever, even a write-off or a total loss is a much larger cost to the insurer at the moment. And to go back to our conversation around the loyalty penalty ban, is there anything you'd like to add around what it means and, and why it's impacting prices? I think it's really important that when we think back to the new rules introduced by the FCA back in 2021, they probably didn't know we were about to hit a cost of living crisis and inflation in quite the world that it is right now. So the changes were made to be fairer to existing customers, not necessarily cheaper, fairer. And it's important that I truly think that this is not the primary thing that's driving up the cost of insurance at the moment. The FCA changes might be having an impact and insurers are still trying to figure out their prices and adapt to this new legislation. But prices are on the rise due to them adjusting their pricing because of inflation, not because of this kind of fair pricing guidance from the FCA. It's a really interesting point you make there, Louise. You know, of course, our budgets are squeezed from other price rises from all over the shop and inflation still remains well above the government's 2% target. So what are we calling for here at which? So a lot of these price rises are kind of explainable, as we've been discussing. But what's pretty much undeniable is that they come at the worst possible time, really, for consumers. Your car insurance bill is a major bill. And this is for millions of customers who are also being hit by price rises in everything from food to mortgages. And if you rely on driving, as many do, you can't opt out of this cost. So at which we are drawing insurers' attention to the consumer duty, which is a set of guidelines from the financial regulator that was brought into effect at the end of July and intended to serve as a clear set of general standards, ensuring customers' needs are put first by firms. Among these, firms are required to ensure that customers receive fair value. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean low prices, but it does mean that insurers shouldn't be able to charge higher prices than are justifiable. In addition to this, vulnerable customers must be treated fairly and supported. For example, those that are in financial difficulty because of the cost of living squeeze. So examples of how firms can be supporting their customers um, is offering advice and help to make sure that they're getting 
the best premium that they can. Also offering payment holidays where that's needed and sometimes adjusting payments. We're expecting firms to meet their obligations here and for the regulator to take quick action where firms are found not to be doing so. And on this new consumer duty, we actually devoted a full episode to it a couple of weeks back. In it, you'll find plenty more examples where hopefully it should mean positive change for you. So do go back and have a listen if you haven't already. Now, back to today's show. And we should say that we contacted the five main car insurance companies for a response to these price rises. Now, both DirectLine and Aviva declined the opportunity to appear on the show, while Lisa's, Hastings and Admiral, they all failed to respond before we recorded today's show. Now, after a quick break, we'll be back to discuss whether you live in a so-called crash for cash hotspot and share more tips on how you can reduce your premium. Scammers are stealing hundreds of millions of pounds every year. They bombard us with fraudulent texts, emails and calls. And what's more, their tactics are getting increasingly sinister. To keep across the latest scams, sign up to our free scam alert service to help you stay ahead of the latest scams and protect yourself. Go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. That's witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. Thank you. Now, before we get to the scams that have been dubbed the crash for cash, Dean, you've recently been investigating the unexplained insurance decisions that can leave us powerless to challenge one that doesn't go in our favour. Can you tell us what's behind all of this? Yeah, so at which we basically, uh, every year, we do surveys of customers who have made insurance claims recently to find out a bit more about how the claim went and what their experience of it was. So last month, we did an article where we looked at data that we'd collected between December and March of surveys of customers who'd claimed on car, home and travel insurance policies. For all of these, uh, most who claimed had their claim paid. You know, usually it kind of works well. However, in each case, there was a proportion of customers who'd had their claim rejected or hadn't had it paid in full or were in some sort of claims related dispute with the insurer. So we asked that group of customers if the insurer had actually given them a reason why it didn't want to pay their claim in full. We found the answers fairly shocking. So we found that 77% of those with car insurance whose claims weren't fully paid said that they weren't given a reason. And the equivalent figure was 56% with home insurance and 43% with travel insurance. So these are all really high figures. We think that this indicates a really troubling lack of transparency when it comes to claims. If a claims decision doesn't go your way, you're owed an explanation and a clear explanation as to why the insurer doesn't think your cover applies. Without this, you can't really effectively challenge that decision in a complaint. Oh, this is obviously extremely infuriating territory for consumers, isn't it? Louise, what do you think? Does this lack of transparency ultimately result in consumers losing trust in insurance providers? It definitely does. And obviously, if somebody is responsible for insuring was probably one of your most expensive assets that could really affect your life, trust is a really important element of the relationship between the driver and the insurer. And I think the transparency really needs to begin way before the point of claim. So no two policies are the same. Everyone has their own needs, their own requirements. And when they're choosing an insurance policy that meets their needs, they really need to understand what is covered, what is not, 
and why a claim may or may not be paid in full at the time. So I can't stress enough to drivers who are you know, comparing their car insurance how important it is to check that all of their details are really accurate and they really understand what's covered by the policy before they purchase. That said, I also completely believe the onus is on the insurer to make sure that the policy details are crystal clear and understandable by customers. We're not insurance experts. It needs to be easily understood. And see, one size doesn't fit all. Insurers need to be honest. They need to be upfront about what the policy involves. And hopefully the transparency means that insurers have a great relationship with their customers. And it means as drivers, we have a much better experience when it comes to making a claim and then deciding who to go with at renewal. Great advice there, Louise. And just to add a little bit more advice on, you know, hopefully it never happens, but if your claim is rejected and you're not given a reason, because, you know, as Dean mentioned, if your claim is rejected and you're not given an an explanation, this is going to stand in the way of you challenging it, which is a huge deal. It's not on, is it? You know, so what are your rights here? What should you do if you're ever in this position? So obviously the first port of call is just to ask your insurer And they will have an official complaints channel that you can escalate. If they're not giving you a reason for your claim being rejected or not paid in full, you should escalate that complaint through their procedures. And then if it's still not addressed, obviously you can take it beyond the insurer to the financial ombudsman. But hopefully if you escalate your complaint and don't just leave it settle, you will get a response. But sadly, as we've just heard from Dean, there are too many drivers who don't who don't get an answer. And that's not going to help for this particular claim that they're facing or for any future claims that they need to make. So it really is just worth noting that if that does happen to you, and I really do hope it doesn't. And as, as you mentioned, you know, this is a very small proportion of people we're talking about, then this is what you need to do. Well, now then, I think it's time for us to get into these so-called crash for cash scams. So it's a tactic that has been used by fraudsters for years, actually, but it wasn't a known term to me until I started researching for today's show. So Louise Dean, can you explain what it is to start with? So crash for cash, fun thing to say, it's a term that's used to describe a fraudulent insurance claim from a collision with a motor vehicle. And these scammers, they do things like stage accidents against innocent drivers so that they can claim money fraudulently from the insurers. Although, see, that has a knock-on effect on the innocent drivers with insurance premiums going up. So the drivers are also affected by these scammers. I think it's really important that drivers know what to do if they are faced with this situation. So if you do have a car accident and you suspect it's been done deliberately, you should call 999 immediately and ask for police assistance. Worth noting, you can also do this if you suspect the driver has been drink or drug driving, or if you think they don't have insurance, any of these scenarios, just make sure you assess the situation, call an emergency number, and know that drivers are completely within their rights to do this if they think they've been targeted as a part of a scam. And just to reassure drivers, if this is the case, your insurer will investigate, and if it's a scammer, it shouldn't have an effect on your renewal. Very key advice there. I actually um, sadly was involved in an accident. We were all fine um, a couple of years ago. And I think I read at the time that you need to have contacted, I mean, obviously, you know, ideally, as soon as it happens, you'd want to call the police. But if you did need to call the police, you have 24 hours to do it. Is that that true? I would always recommend that you, um, if you need to contact the police, like, you know, you're in a multi-vehicle collision, you should do that as quickly as possible. I'm sure it's different in different police forces and local areas. 
if there is a set time frame. So I would just advise drivers to do it as quickly as they reasonably can. Their insurer is going to take your individual situation into account when going through the claim. If there's a reason you couldn't contact the police within 24 hours, for example, if the unfortunate situation that somebody was injured, they will understand that. But just try and do it as quickly as you can. And Dean, you looked into this a couple of years ago for which, and back then, where were the areas being targeted the most by this scam? So we did do a story back in 2021, which was after the Insurance Fraud Bureau, which is a kind of an insurance fraud watchdog that's been set up by the industry, published an analysis of where it believed crash for cash scams were happening the most. And as Louise has explained, this is where criminals purposefully cause traffic accidents to make fraudulent claims. At that point, the IFB identified Birmingham, Bradford, Manchester, London and Luton as the cities where this crime was most often detected. Probably worth saying that this data was actually reflective of 2020, so that's kind of getting on for being four years old now. And it's highly possible that the situation will have evolved since. Last year, they actually revealed some new areas, such as Frome in Somerset, workshop in Nottinghamshire and Sirencester in Gloucestershire that it warned were being targeted by criminal gangs expanding from their typical crime hotspots. We did a survey back in June um, where we contacted which members who believed that they'd been affected by insurance fraud in the last five years and 14% of these said that they were a victim in an induced car accident. It was the second most common single type of fraud. Oh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because in these cases, it really does feel like there's very little you can do to prevent yourself becoming a victim to this. But if you are or you think you are, and and that really is the problem, isn't it? How on earth do you know if a crash is real or, or part of this kind of scam? You know, Dean, do you have any advice around this? Well, I definitely second Louise's point about contacting the police if you think that this has happened to you. And I guess what I'd add to it is that If you're involved in an accident, one thing you can do is to watch out for warning signs that it may have been staged or purposefully induced. So these can include the other driver appearing to be unfazed after the collision or appearing to exaggerate their injuries or handing over pre-written insurance information. Now, we see none of these, you know, kind of clearly identify an accident as being a fraudulent sort of scam, but there can be warning signs. And then a a kind of key point would be to not confront them about it. So just exchange your details as is legally required. Make your insurer aware as soon as possible and communicate to them if you're suspicious because of any of these sorts of reasons. And then something that insurers will find very helpful in kind of reaching their own decision on it is if you can note as much information as you can about the driver, any passengers, the circumstances of the accident, if you're in a position to gather what evidence you can, so it's going to be taking pictures. If you've got dash cam footage, this can be helpful. CCTV, you know, if you're near somewhere that has CCTV. And also if there are any witnesses about, if you can get witness statements. Thanks, Dean. Really, really useful stuff. And now to wrap up then for today, can we end on some money saving advice? I think it's much needed, isn't it? Because while car insurance costs have risen sharply, we need to hear some of the things we can do to try and bring them back down. Louise, shall we hear your top tips first? Yes, you're right. This is the time to be saving as much as you can. And luckily, there's lots of things that drivers can do to keep their premiums as low as possible. So my first top tip is be accurate with your mileage. 
Some drivers might think that low mileage means cheaper prices, but you could just be telling your insurer that you're inexperienced on the road. Likewise, you don't want to overestimate your mileage so they think you're driving more than you are. Just be honest and accurate, and it will ensure you're being priced fairly based on how much you're actually behind the wheel. My next tip is to have a look at what increasing your voluntary access does to your premium. If you're able to, it is a really great way to keep costs down, but I would just make sure that your listeners know that you should only agree to an excess which you can actually afford in the event of making a claim because you will have to pay this out of pocket. Similarly, for those able to, and I completely appreciate that with premiums as high as they are, it's not an option for everybody, but do consider paying for your insurance annually. It isn't doable for everyone, but if you pay monthly, those payments are including interest, which is typically around 12%. So if you pay up front, you avoid this and you're not paying more than you need to for your car insurance. It is just for lots of drivers, a really large upfront cost. So ultimately, the only way to know you're getting the best deal is to shop around. Don't accept your renewal. You could try calling your insurer, like Dean said earlier, but I would recommend that drivers shop around on different comparison sites. They see what other insurers are offering them. And that's going to be the only way that you can know you're definitely getting the best deal. Thanks, Louise. Some absolute gems in there. And Dean, is there anything you'd like to add? I guess on the negotiating point, last year we kind of looked into what our members were able to save when they actually tried negotiating. And at that point, on average, they were able to save um, £56, you know, just by contacting their insurer and discussing their price. So it's well worth trying. We're going to repeat some of this research quite soon to see if that situation has changed. But sort of anecdotally, you know, in terms of feedback we get from our readers, it still seems to be that insurers are are receptive to haggling. So that's definitely something to try. And again, to kind of echo one of Louise's points, I think making sure that you're looking at what insurers are selling through different channels can really make a difference as well. So a channel is like whether you buy your insurance directly off their website, if you buy it over the phone, if you buy it through a comparison site, if you use a broker, all of these can have an impact on what you actually pay. So one of the things to definitely do when you get your renewal offer is to just see what the insurer is offering you as a quote for that same policy through various comparison sites and elsewhere. You know, if you find a lower price elsewhere, you don't necessarily need to cancel your policy and buy it through that channel. It can just be more information that you can use when you call them up. You can tell them, you know, that I've seen this policy £100 cheaper online or through this comparison site or whatever it might be, and they might be willing to match that. And then the last thing I'd say is kind of a warning. So while prices have been going up, some insurers, probably with good intentions to try and make their products more affordable, have been offering cheaper policies, but that have certain elements of the cover removed. Some of these will kind of make absolutely no difference to lots of drivers. So for example, new car replacement cover is a feature that's been removed from some policies. If you don't have a new car, that's probably not that relevant to you. So if it's bringing down the price of the insurance, then that's a plus. But in other policies, we've seen insurers removing things like glass damage cover. And that's quite a common type of claim that's made. So, you know, the type of cover that you kind of want is going to depend on who you are. But if, you know, if you're seeing a really good price, and again, this kind of goes back to lots of what we've been discussing, it's just really important to make sure that you check what cover actually comes as part of that policy and to make sure that it fits your needs so you don't get like a nasty surprise when you try and claim on it later. 
Thank you, Dean and Louise. Some really, really golden advice there. Um, And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been really super insightful. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. A big thanks again to Louise and Dean for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money Podcast was written by Mealy Chia Ariano and Rob Lilly, produced by myself and Rob, edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins. Moving house with kids. Mom! Moving house checklist. Top packing tips. Do it ourselves or hire movers? Things to do in the school holidays. Best solo holidays. When life gives you questions, get answers at witch.co.uk.